like we are ready to rock and roll. So we're still doing our deep dive into the New Testament church. I hope it's been beneficial so far. I know we are still in the basics and we're, and we're um, going to be in the basics for a little bit longer. But I think it's extremely important, especially in the world that we live in today, to really understand the foundations of the gospel and why they are the foundations, the deeper meanings of why they are the foundations of the gospel, which is what, why we've spent the last two weeks really going deep into Jesus the Savior. Um, tonight, we're going to take a little bit of a turn. So I want to remind you of the four things we picked up from Acts. The first one is God will pour out his spirit on all flesh, which you receive through belief, repentance, and baptism. Second, which is what we've covered over the last couple weeks, pretty in depth, Jesus was the Messiah and Savior that conquered death through resurrection and defeated sin through his perfect sacrifice. I'm just going to tell you right now, I love this TV. Uh, third, Jesus is, <laughs> Jesus is Lord, which is what we're going to cover tonight, but it's probably going to take two weeks to get through because um, I think there's a very, very deep concept in that. And then number four, the church was more than a community of believers. They were the family of God, which really I think is going to be one of the more challenging parts of everything we discuss, because it's one thing to be a member of the church. It's another thing to be part of the family of God and start looking at everybody here as brothers and sisters um, in Christ, not just by name, but by blood. So... Um, I think that's going to be exciting when we get to that too. But tonight we're going to be talking about Jesus is Lord. That's why it's in red. When you see it in blue, it means we're done with it and we're moving on. So if you uh, didn't get enough of Savior, go back and watch the last two weeks again. And um, we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, let's pray real quick before we start and get into tonight's lesson with Jesus is Lord. Father God, we come before you, Lord, we are... Grateful for this time where we could be together, where we can just open up your word and, and study from it and, and, and learn from all the wisdom and righteousness and goodness that comes from it into our lives. Father, I, I, I pray a special prayer for us as we consider really what it means to be the New Testament church, really what you have to be in our life to even really be an active member of this church, this body of Christ that you, that you laid down your life for. Father, because we, we know what we've studied in, in depth the last couple weeks that we, we, we didn't have hope. There was no other avenue. There was no other way. There was no other concept that could save. There was, there was nothing else but Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made on the cross that gives us the hope of eternal life, that can wash away our sin, and that gives us access to the Holy Spirit. Father, I just, God, I pray that as we get to those places where the scriptures begin to challenge us, God, it's easy to kind of push it off or, or not really allow it to, to, to sink in and really think about how it applies to us specifically. Father, I pray that we do. I pray that the parts of the lessons and the parts of the, of the word of, of your word that, that really hits us, that we meditate on it, that we think about it, that we let it 
do its work in our lives. Because your word is powerful. It's capable of making us change. It's capable of teaching us the truth. It's capable of saving us. So Father, we, uh, we just come to you humbly. As your servants trying to figure out your word, Father, I pray that you bless us in our conversation tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so again, tonight we're talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want to start off in a funny place as I normally do. But before I did that, I, want, I wanted to go to Acts chapter 2 just because it's been a little while since we went there. And just make sure that we see this scripture one more time. Acts chapter 2, verse 36, let all the house of Israel therefore know. This is, this is that moment where they're having this change. This is that moment where they're having this response. This is that moment right before they say, what shall we do? He says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So a lot of us are familiar with the Christ. I think the world in general is familiar with the Messiah, the Savior part of Christianity. But how many of us, how many of us truly understand what it means for God to be our Lord, for Jesus to be our Lord? So I want to start in Matthew 7. Doesn't always seem like the greatest place to start when it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But this is Jesus speaking and he says, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven on that day, many will say to me and, and think about what they're saying. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Wouldn't that be special? Wouldn't that be something to see, something to have been a part of, something to experience? If you saw somebody prophesy in the name of Jesus, wouldn't you think that was a pretty good thing? He says, and cast out demons in your name. If you were there and you experienced somebody who was demon possessed and you saw those demons leave, they were cast out by somebody in the name of Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you think that was a pretty impressive thing? I'm glad I was here to see that, to experience that. Maybe you would be terrified and never want to experience that again, but wouldn't that be an amazing thing? And then he says, and do many mighty works in your name. Seems like good people that he's describing here. But he, sends, he finishes by saying, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So I figured I'd just start out by saying, what makes these people who are coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Lord, didn't we do mighty works in your name? What makes them people Jesus never knew? Not built on the right foundation? Okay. What foundation would they be building on? 
their own. So you're saying like motivation potentially. Like it'd be great to do a mighty work, but if I'm doing a mighty work in the name of the Lord, but it's really to exalt myself. Okay, so now at least I see where you're coming from. Not the foundation of Christ, maybe a different God. Well, the foundation, people will say, if you believe in Jesus and you believe in his name, you are saved. Oh, I got you. And they are doing good works. There are people all over this world doing good works, but they're not, their foundation is not on what Christ, they're not in Christ. I got you. So they've had the, they've had the response, but they've actually never followed through and dying to themselves through baptism. I got what you're saying. Chad? To me, it sounds like they're trying to justify the work that they've done, which mm. you're not supposed to do that. You know, I, I'm not going to go to heaven and say, hey, I changed 75 tires for people. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, you know, Are you sure you're not? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I mean, that may be exaggerated. It may have been like seven. <laughs> uh, but you know, what, you know what I'm saying? You just, you know, they seem like they're expecting something for what they've done. Yeah, there, there's definitely that. And I, I would agree with you on that. Paul? I'll just read a couple verses from Acts 19. Sure. Some of the Jews went around driving out evil spirits and tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of the Lord Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you, come out. Seven sons of Scivia, mm -hmm. a Jewish chief priest, we're doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Yeah. Go ahead. Corinthians, um, Paul says, you could do all these great things. Yeah. You could remove mountains. You could have all this faith and everything, but if you didn't do it with love, Prophets. Yeah, that's true. And love comes from God. Yeah, obedience, you're right. Obedience is the key to me. Doug, do you want to say something? I don't know if you want to say something. You're laying your arm here, you got to hear you. It feels like you're raising your hand. Sorry. Lord means the one with authority, the owner of the one with authority. Yeah. So, yeah, that, like you see, the Warburg's lawlessness, if they don't answer to his authority, he doesn't know them, he's not really the yeah, so I want you to put focus on here what I put in green. And you're going to, uh, I tried to be real specific here with some of these colors tonight. Like I said, normally I do this for myself. If you look at my Bibles, um, they're all highlighted up. This is how I do things. This is how I remember things. This is how I've trained myself since I was young. But tonight, the green in there is really focusing on this very specific, very simple answer to why these people potentially, potentially, I'm not saying I know everything, but potentially the Lord says, I didn't know you, even though they potentially did these things. It says, but the one who does the will of my father in heaven, 
And then he finishes it by saying, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them. So you can do amazing things. I could get up, I could get up and preach a sermon and 500 people be baptized that day. Go out the next day, live my life as if Jesus means nothing in my life for the rest of my life. When I stand before the Lord, is that, five, that, that sermon, is, is that going to save me? The sign does not save you. It's the Jesus in back of it. That's right. It's Jesus being Lord. It's not the works. We've already talked about this from the Savior position. It's not the things that we do that are righteous. It's God that covers us in righteousness. And for, it's not the things that I do, whether it's prophesying or, or casting out demons or, or healing someone or, or just think of all the amazing things that were happening in the New Testament church. You could do all these things, but if Christ isn't your Lord, that changes things. And Christ being our Lord means, to me, we got to follow him. Look at Luke chapter 6. You cannot. That's right. You want to say something else? I like the way you said that. I did. Look at Luke chapter 6. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? You see the connection there? When we go back, he says, not everyone who says to me, oh, okay, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? So there's people out there who are going to call Jesus Lord, but they're not going to do what he says. It's very similar to what Susan was saying at the beginning. It's the foundation is wrong. I want to take the Bible. I want to um, mold it into the thing that I feel comfortable with. And I want to follow it to that extent. I don't want to follow the whole Bible. I don't want to follow all of God's word. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them. I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house dug deep and laid foundation on the rock. Foundation's wrong if you're not following him. So this is what we see. This is the easiest part of Jesus being our Lord is we have to follow him. We have to follow his word. We have to do what he commands. It's that simple. When your boss at work tells you to do something, you typically do it. Unless you've got a serious moral dilemma with it, you're going to do it. It's the right thing to do. He's your boss. She's your boss. Whatever. You tell them what they tell you what to do. You do it. But the fear of getting kicked out of the synagogue, they did not follow him. Yeah. There, that's happening today, and I have a, my own personal experience. I shared it from the pulpit uh, a while ago, I guess now, but um, that's happening today with people who come from Muslim nations over to America. All of a sudden, they want to think about Christianity, and, and, and they have this big knee-jerk reaction to it because once they do, their family is going to disown them. So you got to do what he says. Second Peter chapter two, 
For if after they escape the defilements of the word, world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, talking about sin, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For if you would have been better, for it, would, for it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. I just wanted to give this as a potential other example of what could be going on here with these people who said, didn't we do these things? You know, when he's your Lord, he's your Lord forever. He's your Lord forever. And sometimes people come to Christ, they make him their Lord for a time, and then they get caught back up in the ways of the world. And I like, he says, they get overcome by it. Because there's a difference between struggling from time to time, which is what we all do. I don't care who you are and how perfect you think you are. You are not. Neither am I. So we all have these little windy parts in the straight and narrow. But there's a difference between struggling and being overcome. There's a difference between struggling through sin and giving your life over to sin. And Peter actually says it would be, it's actually, you're actually in a worse state once you've experienced God and his righteousness and his word and you walk away and get entangled back in the snare of the devil. Again, you're overcome. You're not, you're not, you're not coming back. So that could be a case as well. Anybody want to say anything to that before we move on? I think, uh, to me, a better example is a small child <coughs> your parent. A small child does. They know their parent is the Lord. Whatever they say, take a bath, take a bath. Eat your vegetables. Eat, you know, a small child is, is that Lord. You know, that's that close as I can think of. We, we don't know what that is in this country, to have a real Lord over us. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's um, fair. In fact, that is exactly, well, let me see. I didn't want to go that far and show you everything. Oh, no, no. Okay, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back. All right, you've seen it all now. We can go home. Um, that's exactly what Peter's point is when he's talking about all the way in Acts chapter 2, verse 34, which we're not there yet. But that's exactly what he's talking about is the concept that David says, the Lord said to my Lord, if David is supposed to be the father of the Lord, he would have never called him my Lord. And that's the concept you're talking about. Um, and you're right, kids, kids, until they get to a certain age, naturally trust their parents, do what they say. They know they have their best interests in mind. They don't really, um, I mean, you know, more than a normal, more, more than teenagers, for example, okay? And when you get the teenagers, they, they, it changes, things change. Yeah, preschool, they, they are maturing faster these days. It's true, Shad. Um, all right.
So he says, for it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness and after knowing it turned back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit and the sow after washing herself returns to wallow in the mire. These are the beautiful images that were given by Peter to explain those who would experience God, experience his righteousness, experience his goodness and kindness and love and forgiveness, all the beautiful things of God, all the beautiful ways that it can change your life and make your life even better now, not just for the future, not just for eternity, but now. And then go, I don't, I don't, it's not enough for me. The Hebrew writer talks about it too in the, in the same exact way. You ever seen a dog return to its own vomit? It's gross. It's gross. You ever wash a pig? You wash a pig, you know what the first thing it usually does is? Goes right back and rolls in the mud. That's what it does. It's like no point washing the pig. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Go ahead. To go back yeah. to what we were before. Uh, New Year's Eve, you, you sit there and you make those promises. Yeah. I'm going to lose. And it lasts, they say, for three days. After three days, they're not interested. That sounds about right for my life. <laughs> but it's that tendency to revert to what you're used to. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's very true. It's, it's part of the struggle. But when Jesus is our Lord, this is a change for life. Go ahead. Yes, it's a change for life. However, as you change, those who are looking at you from the outside, they call you weak. They call you naive. They, they criticize you as though you're the one who is on the wrong path yeah. when it's really them. Yeah. And you got to be strong enough to take it instead of turning around and going with the crowd. Yeah. You know, you're making me want to jump ahead, but I'm, gonna, I'm not going to jump ahead yet. But remember what you just said when we get to right here. First Peter chapter three. Go ahead, Shad. I think you can grow in... <laughs> your religion and, and in the Bible just like you can in life. I, I don't even do a New Year's resolution anymore because I know this guy ain't going to keep it. So I, I don't even commit. You know what I mean? But I, I think you can become that way in your religion too. You don't keep making, you know, false um, accusations to yourself that I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that or and keep retracting. You know what I mean? You only try to go one way and, and that's the way you can go. Or, or you don't go at all because the worst thing you can do is, is not live the way you're supposed to live. Yeah. How many times in your life have you saw something that you needed to change about yourself or you felt literally from God, this is something I need to change? You know it's something you need to change. And after the first conversation with yourself, you, you succeeded. That's not typically how it works. I'm not going to say that's not how it works sometimes, but that's definitely not typically how it works. Normally we have to kind of be on ourselves for quite a while until we overcome something, right? So, yeah, I, 
I think you have to work on it every day. That's when we're talking about the fruits of the spirit. The whole point is how can we cultivate them? If, if I'm not working the soil, why would I expect God to grow in my life? You know, in, in everything. And this is a really good point for this idea of God being our Lord, Jesus being our Lord, is there is two sides of the contract. We have the Savior side where there's really nothing we can do. God did it all. There is nothing you can do about your sin. God took care of it. There is nothing you can do about your righteousness and your holiness and your cleanliness. God took care of it. He took care of it. He purified you. There's nothing you could do. He wouldn't have come if there was something you could do. Or as Paul Scuro so well said last time, something we all could have done, but we just didn't. God knew that. He knew none of us were. So he came and he handled that. But then when the, with the Lord's side, it's actually not all on him. In fact, it's, it's on you. He is the Lord of Lords, but it's on you to make him the Lord of your life. Now, and you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, that's a tough one. What's it remind you of? Any other scripture? Lot's wife. That's right. Lot's wife. She looked back. Yeah, I, I mean, there's real truth to that. We have to be committed to God, and the world is not going to be friendly to us. If you're a friend of God, that's right. And that's where we have to be really careful because what the world is constantly, in my opinion, what the world is constantly trying to do is get you to compromise with it. And we don't compromise the word. But that's what the world wants you to do. That's what the world wants you to do right now in our culture. They want you to start compromising with the word. Go ahead, I'm sorry. That's right, and not in the Lord. Just look at the Old Testament, look at Judges. How, how well did that work out for you? Never does. Never does. So, John 13. I think somebody already beat me to this, which is typical in this class. But we move slow on purpose. John 13 is a scripture probably everybody knows really well. It's probably a scripture that um, even people have seen kind of play out. I don't know if you've ever been somewhere where somebody just decided to wash people's feet. When I first got the job here, I washed some of the elders' feet. Y'all probably don't remember that. Um, but we, me and some of the kids in the youth group did that to kind of show um, humility, to show respect, um, to also imitate the Lord. Verse 12 is where he's finished. It says, when he had finished, uh, John 13, verse 12, when he had finished, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. So I just want to ask you, I've been coming to church for well over 20 years. No one's ever washed my feet. Not. <laughs> That's not true. Sometimes I do, actually. Sometimes I do. My feet might be the dirtiest in the church. You don't know. This is shit. 
sanity or, or sanitation of abortion is a lesson on humility. It definitely is a lesson on humility, servanthood. This is great at meeting people where they are and giving them what they need. Yeah, that's right. We have to serve each other, and we can't. This is, the, this is maybe even the most key part of it is no matter how far I come in my maturity, in my, in my spirituality, right, in my relationship with Jesus Christ, no matter how far I come, no matter what position I attain, whether that's um, minister, deacon, elder, you name it, teacher of the ladies' Bible class. <clears throat> that's a good one. There's a couple of men here. I don't want to leave anybody out. You know, we never become more than the next person beside us. If Jesus never looked at his disciples and thought, I'm too good for that, they should be doing this to me, we can't have that same attitude either. We have to have the same attitude of Christ. We can't look at people and go, these are, you know, the basic Christians, and here's the more um, mature Christians, and then there's me. That's not the posture that Jesus had. Go ahead. I think this is also a message to us. Sometimes it's easier for us to reach those people outside of the church and do things for them. Yeah. He's talking about his followers, his family. Yeah. And we sometimes take that for granted. And we need to wash each other's feet, which means we need to know each other. But we have a responsibility not to overlook those that we think are strong or we think that don't have a good And I see that happen a lot. Yeah. We lose people sometimes because we don't wash their feet. Yeah, you know, ministers started conferences because ministers were spending all their time ministering to their congregation. Very, very rarely were ministers getting ministered to themselves. And I know that um, in our positions, we're supposed to be um, strong all the time, but that's not reality for anybody. Um, so it is very important to um, constantly be looking for ways to serve each other, to love each other, and never think more highly of yourself than you are. I think that's scripture. Um, John 13 verse 15 says, for I've given you an example. He's, he's continuing. This is the end of it. Um, for I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. There you go. Nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you what? If you do them. Notice he never lets you off the hook. There's a lot of people, okay, and I'm not the judge. And I'm not talking about specific people or anything like that. But there's a lot of people who think they can come and they can sit and they can hear and they can listen. And they don't ever have to be part of what's really going on. And, and that's going to be good enough. Or you can go and live the life you live for a week. And I can think of whole. Well, I'll be careful. But I can think of whole groups of people. Who have kind of made this their standard where you go and do whatever you want. At the end of the week, you confess, you repent, you go to worship, and then you go right back to doing whatever you want, and you come the next week, and you confess, and you repent, and you go to worship, and you go right back to doing whatever you want. That's there. It's still around. It's, people still do it. But that's not what 
Jesus is saying, he's saying, if you want to make me your Lord, then you have to do as I do. You have to actually do the things that I've taught you. Again, this is the easiest part of the concept of Lord. It's something that we all should really understand. And, and we might not have had experience like other countries because we do have a significant amount of freedom. But everybody understands authority. You break the law, you're going to get in trouble. All I mean by that is authority. It's just the reality. We've grown up in a position, even in our lives, whether we believe in God or not, where we've had to answer to authority. And this is lordship. Anybody else want to say something before we move on? We're about to, we're about to take a curveball. Yeah. Uh, and he did it for three years. And the, a lot of the stories throughout the Gospels are examples of how he dealt with people. Absolutely. And he gave, you know, he lived those examples. And he, we are to follow those examples of how we interact with other people and how we live our lives. Yeah, without a doubt. If we're not following the example of Christ, if we're not trying to be more like Christ, what are we even doing? What are we doing? You can have good authority and you can have bad authority. Depends on True. the judgment. But you always have to have authority to have stability and humility and, you know, and, and thrive. And you always have to have some, some form of of that. Yeah, so we, in youth ministry, we have this conversation with the kids like every couple of years because new kids come into the youth group and everybody in middle school, there's this little um, drawing that has been popular since I was a kid in middle school and it has a big A with a circle around it. Y'all know what that means? That means anarchy. And some, for some reason, that's like a really popular thing in middle school. Oh, life would just be better if there was no government, if there was no rules, if you could just do whatever you wanted. That's really the only way that there's true freedom. No, because somebody can violate your freedom and there's no consequence. So what would stop somebody from doing that? It's called the Lord of the Flies. The Lord of the Flies. Is black and white? Are you sure? Chaos. Sure, it wasn't remastered. No. Oh, okay. People making their own own rules, own laws, and it's total chaos. That's what it would turn into. Yeah, that's the authority. And you know, it's it's interesting too because you go to Romans 13. This is completely off topic, but I'll say it real quick. We go to Romans 13, and God's telling us to respect the governments that are in place because God has ordained that. So, there. The, but only if they put in God we trust first. That well, would be, that would be the government that. I'm just saying, you, you, you have to put, you know, God first if you're going to be a good government. Well, if you're going to be a Christian, you put God first despite your government. Well, yeah. And you take the consequences that come with that, just yeah, like we saw through the New Testament and after church history. Yeah, yeah. But you're hoping those that are making rules for masses are putting the religion first before they make and Well, I sure rules. hope. Well, that's what we're hoping. But I don't think there's any promise of that. Right. Well, there's not. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The Roman government was um, extremely kind to the New Testament church, weren't they? So, yeah, go ahead. If you keep on telling the members of the body to serve one another uh, and not just come to church two or three times a month and sit on the pew for an hour, you know they may be looking for a way to toss you right on out the door. Well, I'm prepared for that. I'm prepared for that because at the end of the day, we as a church have to become unified on a mission, on a goal, and that mission is clearly stated in Scripture, which is that we're supposed to do our best to evangelize the world. And you can't do that if you think once you're saved, you've done your job. So um, I don't mean to sound as harsh. Am I sounding really harsh? A love-only doctrine, do you really love somebody if you don't teach them? What God's word says and what what the consequences are is that really love? I know for me, I can't I can't think of any better way to share my love with someone than to share Jesus Christ. I can't I can't I honestly can't think of any other. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, what stops you from sharing that with everybody that you especially love, whether they reject it or accept it? Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. All truth, not just not just parts they want to hear. Not just right. Not just the Savior, but the Lord. A lot, and this is, this. I did a sermon ah, so long ago, none of y'all, I guarantee, remember it. But we were talking about this exact concept that a lot of people put Jesus on like a shirt. And they wear it during certain times of their life, but he never actually rules their life. It's, it, it, it's accepting Christ as my Savior, but, the, but it's not actually allowing him to come in and change my life. Um, and, and really submitting to his word. I mean... Even, even the idea of lordship, to an extent, with if there's authority, there's also submission. There has to be submission. And that's why I say this is really the other side of the contract. Christ did all these things that made him lord of lords. And now he is. It doesn't matter whether you decide that or not. That's already been decided. But you're the only one that can make him lord of your life. So what we're actually talking about, even though it's foundational, is, is very mature. This isn't something that um, um, is simple gospel. It's really not at all. So let's get in 1 Peter 3, because this is where you were at earlier, Bertha. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? You think anybody's going to come after you because you're just so good? You're doing so many good things that it's just things are too good around you? Yeah, people actually will do that. But they're, they're, I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter how right you can be in every situation. Just look at Jesus. He was right in every situation, and he had plenty of haters. And I don't think you're ever going to escape haters. I think it's just part of life. It's something we all got to deal with. Um, so, even positive people, yeah. Yeah. I remember a, a manager I had when I was a teenager. That guy was so positive, I hated him. I'm like, we're here at 2 o'clock in the morning. He's happy. Sam, what's wrong with this guy? You know what I mean? And, and he was always like that. And honestly, I was like, I, I hate that guy. <laughs> but, but, I, but I think, you know, I, I hope I'm more like that because, I, you know, I, I try to, I'm like, man, why is that guy always so happy? You know? I found out why he was so happy. He was, he was always in Christ. Yeah. And I, so... You know, that was seven years later. I had to work with a guy 
And now here I am hoping I'm more like that guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's because Christ is growing in you. Yeah. yeah. Something, you used to, something you used to drive you nuts yeah. is now something you pursue. Yeah. Yeah. Hate, yeah. Hate me all you want for being happy and joyful. Yeah. Yeah. But it is coming. So he says, verse 14, but even if you should suffer for righteous sake, in other words, he's not giving you permit. He's not telling you that if you do everything right, everything's going to go right. Um, you will be blessed. So if you're going through a struggle that you don't understand, if you're going through a tough time because somebody's hating on you, if you're going through persecution, if you're going through suffering, even with um, um, sickness or whatever, the world is doing all these different things to try to get you down. Don't forget that that's exactly the way Satan attacks Job. He went after his health. That's one of the main things he did. So if whatever your suffering is, if it's, if, if you've been good, if, if you're doing good and you're still suffering, that's, that's a badge of honor. If you're, doing, if you're suffering because you've made bad choices and now you have to lay in the mess you made, well, now you're the pig that just returned back to the mud. That's not quite the badge of honor you're looking for. So... <clears throat> Uh, I forgot where I stopped. So I'm going to start back at 14, even though I know I read most of that. But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. And he actually goes a little further after that. But um, I think there's more to it. And I think this is where we really start getting deep into really what it means when Jesus is our Lord. I think one, there's honor. And, I, and, and I, as I was reading this scripture, this one really opened it up for me. How often do we actually honor God in our life? How often do we honor God with our life? How often does somebody else honor God because of our life? If you were standing before, if we lived in a kingdom and you were standing before the king, you were invited to even come and speak to the king. Let's, even the president. Now that's a little bit of a hot topic, but let's, so, but let's go back to the kingdom. You probably would go and you probably wouldn't show up. You certainly wouldn't. I wouldn't think you would be like, nah, I'm a little too busy. Not even show up at all. But would you even, if you showed up, would you show up empty-handed? Most people probably bring something to honor the king. So I don't want to miss that part that there's this honor in, in, in God being, in Jesus being our Lord. There's an honoring. You can look at it some with your offering, with your giving, but, but I don't think God just wants your money. In fact, the money, I think, honestly can end up being one of the easiest things to give. But your time, your effort, your life, you only got so much of that. I saw a hand over here first, didn't I? No? No. Okay, Shad. All God wants is you. He died for you. Yeah. He wants you, but he wants all of you. 
He wants all of you. And um, I think on the other side of this, you've got the word holy. You know, God is set apart. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. There is no one like him. There is nothing like him at all. There is nothing above him. There's nothing beside him. There is God. Right? You got Father. You got Jesus at the right hand. That's still God. He's completely set apart. And again, just like with honor, I wonder how often in our life do we really set him apart? Not, not, not like Jesus is the only God that I could actually believe in. Like, hey, I've got these internal conflicts with some of the stuff that I read in Scripture and I want to put him over myself. Like, to me, that, that's, that's something that's sacred. That's something that you cherish. That's something that is, that is holy to you. And then last but not least, I think if he's your Lord, you're going to be ready to defend him. You know, sometimes I have to really hold back because I'm, I am a zealous person. I know that about myself. I, am, um, I get excited real easy. I get fervor real easy. When I get up to speak, I'm like ready to explode. I'm so excited. I've studied hard. I, gotta, I actually have to, that what you see is actually way more under control than it could be, believe it or not. Um, but I'm ready. And, and because the world is, in, in my opinion, in such an attack mode on everything that we're doing and everything that we stand for and everything that we believe in through God's word, sometimes I have to be real careful even what I say. Not like I'm going to say something um, terrible or um, mean or nasty. But I'm defensive of the Lord. You know, there's um, something really popular that's been happening actually since, if we're being honest, I mean, at least for me, it's been happening since I was a kid. But there's this, you know, Satan's like popular. I don't know if you saw the Grammys, but Satan was kind of popular at the Grammys this year. That's not new. That's not something new that they just started doing. Sam Cooke's not the first one that wore a devil suit. He's not. It's been slowly getting worse and worse and worse to the point to where now it, it's just out in the open. They're not even trying to hide it. You know, last year we were watching um, um, the Super Bowl at, it, might have been, it was either last year or two years ago. We were watching the Super Bowl at my house with the youth group. And the halftime show, I had to turn it off. Because uh, Lil Nas X came on and he had Baphomet right on his head. And you know, you, you start looking at all this stuff and you realize like, like the world is coming after us. It's not just coming after us. Like Williams would bring up a lot before we even start on Sunday morning. It is coming after our kids. And this stuff that seems new, it's not new. It's old news. Do you know what Baphomet is? 
He's a goat demon that was worshipped. That it still is, in my opinion, worshipped. Okay, I don't want to sound like a kook to you. If the, yeah, if the guy's wearing them on stage, this is the same guy who um, was putting his blood in the Nike shoe and, and um, has a video where he is literally um, making love with the devil. Okay? And he's on the Super Bowl. Um, Baphomet is a goat demon. All right, you ready? Let's see how relevant this gets real quick. He's a goat demon. You want to be a goat or a sheep? Didn't we have that conversation earlier? Yeah, I don't want to be a goat. Nope. He's got boobs of a woman. Go look it up. If you don't believe me, I don't have a picture of it to show you and prove it to you. But go look it up. And he's got male genitalia. You think that's something our culture is talking about right now? Seems like something that's really new. Is it really all that new? No, it's not that new. It's not that new at all. In fact, if you start studying, and I shared this um, from the stage not that long ago as well, if you start studying Roman culture, you will find out that the Romans had emperors that had people like that. So it went way back. And it goes way back, because Baphomet's not a new concept. That's an old concept. That's an ancient concept. And this is the type of stuff that, like, how bold can I be? How much can I really say? But I'm ready to defend Christ. I hope you are too. If he's your Lord, you'll be ready. I was thinking about, um, there were several, um, several, several groups of, of, of bands and stuff I followed when I was kids that I absolutely loved. I'll tell you one that I'm embarrassed of now, but I didn't, I didn't know at the time. Um, it's a band called Tool. They're a huge rock band when I was young. They had a sound like you've never heard before. And everybody my age loved them. And they had this song where I listened to it like once and I was like, what? And I had to go back and I listened to it again and when I heard it the second time, I took every CD, because I still had CDs at that time. This actually drove me to a place where I was out at church camp and I was just tossing all my CDs into the lake. I was so disgusted with myself. And this song literally has Jesus on the cross in the song. And the guy who's singing the song is screaming at him that he's a liar. And mocking him. I couldn't listen to him anymore. I still, when I see this stuff to this day, it's still brings a fervor in me. And, and I've already admitted, I can be zealous. It's something I have to guard with myself. I can get really fired up in the defense of the Lord. Yeah, I see the time. <laughs> Although it's stuck on my screen. So I think I got all the time in the world. It's a time, is it? <laughs> okay. Um, so, <laughs> whoa, we got to move then. <laughs> Whoa, that's not right, is it? 
Yeah, don't put that up there no more. What are you doing to me? What are you doing to me? Anyway, I just, I just think, again, I, let me go back. Honor, honor God. If he's your Lord, you're going to honor him. You're going to honor him with your life. You're going to make your life honor and bring honor to him. You're going to make him holy. He's going to be set apart even above you. You're going to put him in a place where he's like nobody else in your life. You're going to put his word at highest respect. Even when you struggle with it and disagree with it at times in your innermost being, you're still going to put him above you if he's your Lord. And you're going to be ready to defend him. Okay? So, we are just getting to the really good stuff, but I have to end now. Do you want to say something, Chad? What we were talking about is, you know, it's, as we're having this conversation, it just makes me think about the, how critical what we were talking about really is that, you know, when you have a loving parent and they, and they discipline you and they put down laws and they, you know, and you have to follow them, you have a lot of resentment at the beginning, mm-hmm. right? But years later, you, you, you really realize how much they love you. You know, when they're uh, worshiping and following other things, there's no discipline, there's no uh, correction, there's no sense of love. So how do you, how would you defend that? How would you, how would you love that? You know, how, how would you, what would make you want to fight for that? Because there's no sacrifice. There's no commitment. There's no, this is going to hurt me more than you. The the world and every single person, in my opinion, the world and every single person in this room, we're not excluded from this, struggles with selfishness. And I I was thinking about this um, when I was preparing this lesson. How much would your life be different if the word was written different? Like if the, if the word gave you permission to do certain things right now that, the, that, that it does not, how much different might your life look? You know, and I think there's, I think that's a good way to kind of look back and say, is, is Jesus my Lord? Because I think my life would be very different. But I made Jesus my Lord and I went his way, not my own. Stuff like we're talking about, it, it takes years, it takes time yeah. to, to figure that out. But when you're given whatever you want right away, like, like the world wants to do, say you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, it's immediate. There's no, there's no time. There's no, no time to learn as right or wrong. It's just, it's present right now. It's nothing to grow on. Yeah, well, the, I, I still think the easiest way you change an entire culture is start with the youngest ones where that are most moldable and not stuck in their ways and in 40 years you got a different culture and that's what yeah yeah well I mean you can see that in the deterioration of our culture yeah. I mean the, the the world's completely different even in the world I'm raising my kids different than my parents raised me and not because my parents raised me wrong because the world has changed so much that I won't do things that my parents did yeah. like there's less freedom for my kids than I had. I feel that I did good with you. Now you should take what I've given you, and you should even be better at it next time around. Yeah. So, yeah. so world's changing fast, yeah. but it's all still in the book. The, the, 
I've said this, I've said this, and I will, I will say this till the day I die. Satan's playbook don't change. It, 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 he, he can come at you in a different way, in a new way. But the sin is still the sin, and the temptation is still the temptation. It, it's all been there. It's the way it is. So, anybody else before we're done? But Peter realized this, we would be fervent about this. Yeah. Because he says, yet. Yet. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. Do it with yeah, gentleness and, respect. and that's right. respect. That's right. And sometimes that's hard. It is very hard. It is very hard. But you realize that Christ did it when they were spitting on him and going from hair to hair. He responded to him, but he did it with gentleness and respect even then. He did. He did. The, the actual... Those, those hours, only God could have done what Jesus did. If, and I say if very lightly here, but for the skeptic that might be watching or whatever, if a normal human being, if, if the gospel is accurate, a normal human being doesn't die that way in that circumstance. So, um, yeah. All right. Next week, we'll have one more extremely brief conversation on the Lord and then we'll um, we'll be moving into the Holy Spirit which is not going to be brief at all but it should be a lot of fun so thanks so much for coming to class